who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. This is WXAZ bringing you the hits of yesterday, today. Stay tuned for another Rock Block after these messages. Finally, the weekend. Hey, Carol, got any plans for the weekend? Ugh, I don't think so. Rod and I were supposed to hit the town, but our babysitter got mononucleosis. Oh, no. Yeah, and you know I can't leave the kids with just anyone. You remember what happened to the last babysitter? Have they found her yet? I haven't heard anything. Anyway, it looks like I'll be sitting home with a pint of ice cream and rosé. Well, you know, I have heard about this new nanny service. Rodin Accounting told me about it. Oh? It's called... Griselda's Child Camp, I believe. A camp for children? I hope so. Anyway, apparently they have an entire range of sitters that mind the children while you spend time with your partner. They have activities and even feed them. And it's only for an evening? Yeah, and apparently the children participate in a host of enriching programs that have helped even the most difficult of children. I don't know, that sounds a bit drastic. Hey, it was just a suggestion. Enjoy your ice cream and rosé. This is me. On second thought, maybe I will give it a try. After all, who could it hurt? <laughs> <laughs> Feeling haunted by your children's screams in the night? Are you dying for a break from your beloved minions? Are you one step away from stuffing your lovely offspring in a closet? 
Lucky for you, us at Griselda's Child Camp are here for you. Don't be alarmed by the name. We love children. We believe that a child's well-being comes first in such a chaotic world. With well-adjusted programs, we take babysitting to new heights. Heralded by the same lovely entrepreneur and founder of Minerva's Magical Charms and Curios, we employ only the best caretakers in the metropolitan area. Just listen to some of our clients' referrals. My child was the ultimate problem child. Whether it was arson or destruction of our neighbor's property, we couldn't let him out of our sight for a minute. One evening at Griselda's child camp and poof, a changed child. When we picked him up from camp, he was quiet and well-mannered, a complete dream. He did have one small incident where he needed stitches on the side of his head, but other than that, completely satisfied. <laughs> Whether you need us for an hour or for an entire year, Griselda's Child Camp is here for all your childcare needs. you've got time for one last drink with your friendly neighborhood horror host, Demona. I hope you enjoyed the cold open, Griselda's Child Camp, written by Monica Estrella Negra and featuring the voice talents of Sarah Century, Essie Fleenor, and Robin Quinn. You know, for me, this time of year always draws to mind relationships that ended, family members we don't speak to anymore, and friends who became strangers. I know we've all had those friends who make us feel like they only speak to us to hear themselves talk, never finding time to see us for who we are. They can surely frustrate us with their self-involvement, but there's no need to go to extremes. No, there's no need to go to extremes. Is there? I guess we'll find out in today's Torrid Tale. Featuring the voice talents of Monica Estrella Negra and Wimoto Nioka, this is The Beacon of Influencership by Monica Estrella Negra.
I looked down upon the party taking place in our backyard. They were all there, the queer elite of Cleveland, Ohio, the legion of fabulousness, the decorated homos who decided the trends of the scene, scathingly rejecting those who dared to protest this vapidity. I can talk shit about it since I am also guilty of playing into the hype. Even still, I had protested against the party taking place since there had been at least five in the past two months. My house chore was to mind the kitchen and the living room, and of course, this is where the majority of the party intercoursed. There would be stains for days, and if I or our other housemates didn't clean it up, Marjorie Stonewall would definitely be the first one to complain at the house meeting. It's not like we have parties every weekend. She would say this right after hosting a party for two straight weekends. The squad, as she affectionately called her group of sycophants, always had a reason to host a gala, but strangely enough, never at their own house. To be fair, they all lived in overcrowded, one-bedroom apartments with too many cats, plants, and tender queer introverts, and not a fabulous Victorian with an insanely huge backyard. And seeing that as Marjorie's parents' house, there is only so much I can actually control. I only rent a room and it's all I can afford due to my meager earnings at Cup of Bean Juice Cafe. Therefore, she is God. The keg is here, a voice yelled out. The party cheered and the music became louder. I moved away from the window over to my vanity and plopped down. I had my music playing as well. She passed away's ritual playing on loop. It was loud enough to drown out whatever SoundCloud playlist the kid with the ditch weed played on his Bluetooth speaker at the picnic table underneath my bedroom window. The party was not that much of a bother since tonight was the night that I made my move. I looked into the mirror long and hard at myself. My brown skin glowed underneath the jester-like makeup I had meticulously painted on an hour earlier. My long locks were braided neatly into two pigtails, resting on my shoulders, precious stones adorning them. No, I wasn't about to go all joker on them. The theme of the party was masquerade, and I wanted to show that I could keep up with the best of them. Tonight was the night that I would finally set things right. But, I fear, we are getting too ahead of ourselves. Let's recap, shall we? Last year, around Hanukkah, I had planned on going home to Milwaukee, where I was planning to spend the holiday with old friends and family. I had just finished my next art installation for an art show that my friend was hosting. It was a body horror theme, and my theme was on the black body and violence. Broad strokes of garish red paint covered a sketch of a black woman poised in a fetal position inside of a grave. Four hooded figures with police-like badges surrounded the grave, each holding a black rose in one hand and a white lily in the other. I had named the woman in the grave Lenore. I don't know where the name came from. It just spoke to me in a whisper. In truth, I secretly believed that Lenore was a spirit that followed me and instructed me, like in an ancestral manner. I had experienced certain supernatural things occurring when I first started on the piece. 
Sketch pencils would roll across the table on their own. The smell of roses would be present for a time being, quickly fading away like a mist of perfume. Despite the odd occurrences, I was not terrified. If anything, I was comforted by the idea of having someone care for me, truly. Something that reminded me that the world was bigger than what I had originally thought it to be. It also called me to evolve my work into political social commentary, something I had never thought of doing. With police brutality escalating, it seemed as if black women were the ones marching in the streets while also facing misogynoir from our own brethren. I hoped that the message would come across easily. I worked tirelessly on that piece for a year, almost becoming a reclusive creature in the basement. The basement at the house was my makeshift studio, since I was too poor to afford an official space. After a year of living there, it was still under construction. Marjorie's parents were trying to upgrade it to a five-star lounge room so they could advertise it on Airbnb. They also thought I was a creepy lesbian, so it was top priority for them to make a profit rather than have me sulking down there. The bathroom had been left unfinished, torn drywall lying about as if the Kool-Aid man had ransacked it. A cold draft made working down there almost unbearable, but with the space heater and heavy pours of herbal tea, I made it work. Marjorie would come down in the evenings to try and poke fun. I never understood her propensity to judge those she considered friends. It was almost as if she consistently compared her shortcomings and victories to those nearest and dearest to her. She had always been like this, though. It seemed to have gotten worse as we left high school. She went on to college, and I stayed true to my dream of being a full-time artist. I would mix my paints and create fake blood with caro syrup, red and blue food coloring. Marjorie would stand over me, huffing and puffing with disgust. I don't know how you can sleep at night. So much violence and death... The civil rights movement was a long time ago. It's not all violence and death, I retorted factually. Sometimes it's good to explore the things that make us who we are. And the civil rights movement was just the beginning. She rolled her eyes and popped her bubblegum. Whatever, girl. You always take yourself so seriously. I'm just playing with you. I sighed audibly trying to hide my annoyance with her ignorance. It was a bit garish and probably too gory for any pallid, but it was true to my aesthetic. Marjorie could sense my pride in my work, and for that reason, I believe she resented me. Whether she wanted to be me is another matter. Marjorie was, in truth, a very insecure person. While she flaunted her overconfidence within her insular group of fawning wannabes, she consistently crafted her persona based around the people that she hung out with. Whether it was a macro passive aggressive way of saying, I can do it better, or she truly lacked the ability to hone her own identity. With her caramel brown skin, snatched waist, and a bevy of expensive lace fronts, she honestly didn't need to impress many with her personality. Either way, she had garnered a reputation of biting other people's styles and co-opting it to her own brand. As an influencer, 
Marjorie found her footing. She had a degree in pre-med, per her parents' wishes, but decided to start her own makeup artist Instagram. Her loyalists would sometimes film her, hold up the O-lights. It wasn't long before she started getting called out for stealing. It didn't cause too much damage, though. Her social capital quickly stamped out the threat of potential disgrace by defending her viciously on Twitter in a flurry of memes and toxic clapbacks. The queen continued her reign, showing no mercy on those she thought beneath her, but appealing enough to replicate their creations. It's not as if other people refrain from being inspired by their friends or any form of art. Nothing is original, only unique. We are all compiled of a series of thoughts that someone had previously had before you. Even if you feel original in your idea, to an extent, someone has thought about it as well, but has their own creative touch to it. Marjorie, however, had no base material to consider her own. She was not an artist. She admitted it often. In truth, I am sure that she never had time to figure out who she was as a person. As a tragic result, her personality was seize and conquer, no matter if it didn't fit who she was. I saw this side to her and empathized with it. I decided to overlook her transgressions and attempt to find the person I fell in love with as a little girl. She was nice and shiny, everything that I wanted to be. Her family was like the Huxtables and compared to my single parent impoverished home life, absolutely flawless. She was my Regina George and I knew it, but I also loved her. Call me a simp, but I also wanted her approval sometimes. Even when she would make fun of my art, I would question as to whether she saw something I didn't. Deep down, however, I knew that I was only a victim of my own desires. And for bizarre reasons, I thought that she would never, ever try to bite my style. She made so much fun of it, I thought that I would be untouchable. But also because childhood friends, right? And then... Aiden Viper went live on Instagram. I had been on the Amtrak train when I got the notification. Out of sick curiosity and boredom, I opened the app and waited for the video to start. Marjorie's face flashed on the screen suddenly. What happened next made my body freeze. She was standing in front of my art. What up, babies? It's me, your girl, Marjorie, and we are at the Femme Fatale Lair getting ready for our makeup demo tonight. She was wearing a bizarre black PVC getup in the style of a baby doll dress. My artwork had been laced with ridiculous fairy lights and a vile strobe light was placed behind it to make it look like a spirit Halloween store prop. My body went numb. As you can see, we have a special theme for tonight, and it is spooky slay. She looks like a Vanna White from hell, turning to showcase my sacred piece. It looks so grotesque and kitschy with the modifications she added. I felt sick to my stomach. I shut off my phone and took a deep breath in. I didn't know what to think, or what to say. I couldn't cry because I was terrified of 
absolutely losing it on the train. The betrayal cut so deep that I couldn't even begin to accept what had actually happened. Of course, I knew that I had legitimately ignored all of the red flags, and yet still, here I am. I was a couple of hours away from Milwaukee, and I knew that going back prematurely wouldn't solve anything. So I decided to wait. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Do you know how much you have in common with some of your favorite celebrities, leaders, Newsmakers, I'm Evelyn, the host of Reppin, where you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll find out who they really are and what they represent. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts. Once I got home after the holidays, it was as if nothing happened, except that my painting still held the horrendous modifications that Marjorie had placed on it. I stared at it in disbelief. Lenore's face had been chipped by whatever has scraped on it, causing it to look as if she had a scar on her cheek. I felt tears forming in my eyes, my fists clenching. For a split second, while looking at Lenore, it looked as if she had winked at me. Hot tears dripped down my face, me shaking my head. Did she wink at me? I could have imagined it, but it spooked me to the point of running back upstairs. In a dash, I ran up to my room and collapsed onto my bed crying. Was I losing it? Maybe that was why I began hallucinating Lenore winking at me. I hadn't been able to eat for a few days due to my anxiety and anger. I would toss and turn in bed, in that empty house, hearing the creaks and bumps in the night. Turning onto my back, I stared emptily into the ceiling. I couldn't get over it. She didn't even have the decency to remove her props from my work. She hadn't been at the house when I returned, staying over at her stupid partner's house. No texts, no nothing. 
Maybe she sensed that I wasn't happy with her. Maybe she didn't think it was offensive. Either way, all I could think about was revenge. I had never been a vengeful person, but this was too much to bear. Of all the things she has said to my face, the joking, the snide remarks, this was the cherry on the cake. And I couldn't let it go. How was I going to do it? What would teach her? A sit-down or a call for accountability wouldn't work. No. I had to scare her in some way. Scare her enough that she wouldn't do this to anybody ever again. She needed to learn this lesson the hard way. That her actions have consequences. And so, I began to plot. I began to think about what I had to work with. The basement was creepy enough to corner her in some way. Maybe build a trap door? Nah, that was too technical. I sat up in bed and grabbed a notebook from my side table. I began scribbling cathartic revenge fantasies onto the slightly pink tented paper. Upon finishing crude scenarios that included shaving her eyebrows while she slept, I stared in awe at my work. It honestly scared me to be so deeply invested in punishing someone. But she had pushed me to my limit. My undying love for her was tarnished, and it was time to snip the cord. And so, here we are tonight. God, you look so creepy, but it's cute though. Marjorie jeered as I walked down the stairs to join the gala. She was wearing a black masquerade mask encrusted with black and white gems, peacock feathers on the side. A black satin bustier snatched her waist even more, revealing her decadent curves. <sighs> Lord, I had it bad. Her appearance admittedly helped the remark fly over my head. Well, that and my pending vengeance. Not missing a beat, I smiled and joined her at the kitchen island, grabbing a red Solo cup and filling it with a spiked punch. You know I gotta keep it on brand, I responded. I had to make it seem as if everything was normal. Especially if I wanted this to work. I sipped and looked around. It was way more packed than I expected it to be, but the plans were in order and I had to go through with it. Speaking of which, I hope you aren't mad about what I did. She leaned into me with a coy smile, her bosom flaunting in my face. I could smell her honeysuckle perfume, sickeningly sweet and thick. I felt myself blushing, but I looked away so she wouldn't notice. Nah, not at all. You... You know I don't hold grudges. That answer seemed to make her smile even tighter. She rested her hand on my right shoulder and cocked her head. See, I knew you were my girl. After all, I definitely put some flavor into your work. Like, it's good and all that you have this dark, vengeful, radical black woman thing going on. But honey, that is not going to get you the coin that you need and deserve. You gotta amp it up a bit. She laughed and spun around to look at the backyard. 
I felt as if I was going to throw up. Okay, I'm going to go check and make sure my bottle of Patron is still on the DJ table. She got up and began swishing away, not allowing me to say another word. I had expected that. Sighing heavily, I chugged my drink and headed to the basement. The basement was off limits to parties after I negotiated with Marjorie and the rest of the roommates. I made sure to lock the door and headed down to get started. It was dark and damp from the rainstorm that happened a few nights ago. The walls were teeming with mildew and mold, and the unfinished drywall was not exempt. I had taken down all of Marjorie's props off of the painting and moved it over to the back wall where it couldn't be disturbed. My plan was to lure Marjorie down to the basement where I could jokingly lock her in the unfinished bathroom with the huge hole in the wall. No lights, just complete darkness. And then I would start a fog machine and turn on the strobe light she had left and make it her own personal hell that she couldn't escape. Being kids together, I knew that she hated horror movies, tight spaces, and haunted houses. This would scare the crap out of her. Sure, she would probably be mad or scared, but I wanted her to feel that emotion. I wanted her to feel the same sense of dread that I felt when I saw my work being disrespected for her benefit. I was going to record the entire interaction and then post it on Twitter, tagging her. Yep, this was going to be my moment. I pulled the fog machine out and plugged it in behind the door to the unfinished bathroom. It took a few moments for it to get cooking, but I made sure to set the timer. Having previously worked in a haunted house during Halloween, I was sure that my setup would be highly efficient. As I prepared the padlocks for the door, I heard a sudden shuffle coming from the bathroom. My blood went cold. I stopped jingling the locks and strained my ear towards it. My mind had not forgotten the little supernatural occurrence of seeing Lenore wink at me, but I had chalked it up to not eating or sleeping and had pushed it back to the recesses of my conscience. However, I noticed that the air had grown colder around me, and though there was much ruckus upstairs, it was suddenly eerily quiet. Hello? Nothing happened. Maybe it was the jungle juice I chugged, I thought. Slowly, I got up and placed the padlocks around the doorknob. My phone buzzed in my back pocket. It was time to go out and schmooze in the back, hopefully securing Marjorie before she decided to ditch her own party and go to her partner's house. I ran back up the stairs and looked back, just to make sure nothing was out of place. In the corner of my eye, I saw a shadow run across the wall. My heart jumped and I tried to open the door quickly, realizing that I had locked it. In a panic, I twisted the lock bolt and flung the door open, hitting someone wearing an Elmo costume right in the face. Damn, girl, the hell is wrong with you? They exclaimed. I slammed the door shut and swallowed hard. I am so sorry, I started, but they clambered off towards the backyard. I followed suit, visibly shaken. 
something was going on in my mind, but I couldn't decipher exactly what was happening. Either way, there was no turning back, and I had to do this for my own integrity and self-respect. Girl, I'm too faded to be going all the way downstairs to look at your art or whatever it is you want me to see. Slurred Marjorie as we made our way into the kitchen. The party was still going strong, but Marjorie was clearly not going to make its end. Her Patron bottle in her right hand, she kept swigging and swigging as she teetered on her Louboutins. Come on, I beckoned. It's super secret and maybe you'll want to use it for your next video. Do I look like I want to use your stuff again in order to make stuff? I didn't even hit 5k this weekend, so I doubt it'll be good enough to hold on. Leaning over the kitchen sink, she turned on the faucet and started to drink from the stream of water, like a cat. I stood by the basement door in complete awe. Once her thirst was satiated, she locked her eyes on me. Now wait, what are we doing? I opened the basement door and gestured toward the stairs. I am going to show you my next best creation. Once we were downstairs, I held my breath. It had been difficult enough to help her down the stairs, but now the true test was in action. Turning on the overhead light that I use for work, I looked at Marjorie long and hard. She started laughing, looking around the room. Girl, I don't see nothing. I moved towards the bathroom door and nodded into it. It's in here, I smiled sweetly. It's a contained piece and I don't want it to be exposed to just anyone. Taking a swig, she sighed heavily and marched over to the bathroom, stepping in. I still don't see shit. She began, but she couldn't finish the sentence. I pushed her in and slammed the door, locking it with the padlocks I had prepared earlier. There were no lights inside of the bathroom, so she was completely engulfed in darkness. She started freaking out. Bitch, if you don't let me out of this goddamn room, I swear to God, it will not end well for you. She began banging on the door, and for a moment, I feared that the party upstairs would hear but the music was so loud and the people were so amped that they couldn't hear anything. Also, there was enough concrete to block out her screams. It won't end well for me, huh? I said mockingly. The fog machine turned on, filling the bathroom with fog, the strobe light following suit. Now she could see, but it was probably very disorienting. The strobe light's red glare could be seen through the cracks of the door. Suddenly, I felt powerful. A sense of energy shooting throughout my body like sparks fueled my speech and enlivened my eyes. Now was my chance to get what I wanted. You know what won't end well, Marjorie? I yelled. She kept banging and banging and then suddenly a crash. She stopped banging on the door. You owe me a bottle of fucking tequila, bitch. Let me the fuck out of here. Not until you hear what I have to say. She proceeded in banging on the door and shouting obscenities. 
I decided to wait until she calmed down. When she finally tired herself out from banging, she then attempted to change tactics. Lorraine, please. I don't feel good. Well, I didn't feel too good when you used my work as your prop for your bullshit-ass Instagram video. Girl, you said you were fine with it. It's not that big a deal. To you. It's not a big deal to you. That's your problem. Nothing is ever a deal with you because you decide that you are absolved from any type of consequence. I kicked the door angrily, my courage growing. I have done nothing but support you and make excuses for your shitty behavior because my dumbass has been in love with you ever since we were little kids. I have always been your punching bag and I have let a lot of shit slide. But that was the final straw. She didn't respond. I'm sure my little confession about being in love with her was a bit much. I continued. You constantly belittle me. You constantly critique me. When all I have ever done is accept you for who you were. And then you have the audacity to use my artwork as a silly prop for your brand? Look, if you want me to tag you in the video, I can do that. I scoffed at her suggestion. This isn't about the clout or the online prestige, Marjorie. This is about you stepping on everyone who you resent because they are their authentic selves. So you lock me in a room to tell me this? Bitch, get a fucking life. This is so pathetic. Don't even have the balls to tell me to my face she gotta lock me in a basement to be real. I felt my ears going red. This chick literally had no remorse or understanding as to what I was saying. As I was going to respond, the strobe lights stopped flashing and the air grew stale cold. Marjorie started banging on the door again. Let me out of here, I hate being in the dark. Not until you say you are sorry for everything you've done and for everyone you have hurt in the process. Fuck you, let me out now or I'm gonna call the cops on your ass when I get out. A second later, the fog machine stopped as well. The air seemed electric suddenly, and a weird buzzing noise started to occur on the other side of the door. Marjorie whimpered. For real, let me out. I think I just felt something touch my shoulder. I surmised that she was making something up to let her out, but I wasn't going to give in. Not until you apologize, and I whipped out my phone. I want you to apologize loud. Lorraine, I swear, something just touched my shoulder. I took no heed. Say, I am sorry that I hurt my best friend, and I am sorry that I stole so many looks from other people in order to get clout. I pressed record on my phone and held it up to the door. She didn't respond. Marjorie, say it, and I'll let you out. Still no response. I was growing impatient. I knocked on the door hard, repeating my terms. I am not letting you out till you respond, Marge. It was still quiet. I started to panic a bit. Perhaps she had passed out from the fear of being entrapped. The air got colder. Marjorie? I only heard the thumping from the backyard. Suddenly... The strobe light came back on. 
She still hadn't responded. Fuck. Grabbing the keys, I hastily unlocked the padlocks and swung open the door. I gasped audibly and grabbed my chest. Marjorie was not in the bathroom. On the floor lay broken shards from her liquor bottle and a peacock feather from her mask. I began to hyperventilate, wondering where she could have gone. I walked into the bathroom and looked at the wall where the hole used to be. Now, there was no hole. It was entirely covered with drywall. What the fuck? I began, but then I heard a laugh directly in my ear. (laughs) I turned around, facing the wall outside of the bathroom where my painting rested. On the painting, Lenore, eyes wide open, had a deep grin on her face. Her face was contorted, and her teeth looked realistic and human. I felt on the brink of a heart attack. I threw down the padlocks and bolted for the upstairs. Reaching the top, I looked back down only to see Lenore, free of my painting, standing at the bottom of the steps. Her face was now covered with blood and her eyes were glowing gold. I turned and exited, slamming the door. I then ran up to my room and did the same, locking it and putting my desk chair in front of the door. Marjorie's parents searched for her for weeks until finally giving up. I moved out of the house immediately after that night. I went back to Milwaukee to stay with my grandmother and found another job at another coffee shop. Nobody knows what happened to Marjorie, but there have been crazy conspiracy theories concerning her disappearance online, especially after all these weird cryptic tweets started appearing on her account. The tweets would say, buried alive, or trapped, or screaming. It would continue throughout the day, every day, at 3 p.m. Police tried to ping her cell phone to see if they could locate her or her killer, but to no avail. The GPS signal was lost. Her parents sold the house and moved to California. They didn't attempt to reach out to me. As for the painting, I left it there, along with my painting materials. It probably went into the trash when they cleaned out the house. Apparently, when the police did their investigation, the broken bottle, the strobe light, the padlocks, the fog machine, the peacock feather, was all gone. No evidence. It was the only reason I hadn't been questioned. My alibi was that I had been in my room the entire time. Her band of groupies dispersed and did not reach out to me at all. For them, they had lost their clout queen, but it was unsurprisingly revealed that they didn't like her that much either. All of their RIP Instagram posts lasted for about a week before they latched onto someone new. I suppose you expect me to feel guilty about what happened. Oddly enough, I felt as if a weight had been lifted off of my shoulder. 
what I felt most strongly about was Lenore. Had Lenore really been me? Or was it all just a furious fixation? Who knows? Though it wasn't a part of my plan, I definitely got what I wanted. Peace of mind. presents Graveyard Orbit, a part of the Decoded Horror Channel and an Okie Dokie LLC production with Queer Spec Publishing. Graveyard Orbit is produced by Sarah Century. Sound engineering is provided by Nathaniel Hubbard, creator of the podcast Tighten Up the Defense, and a writer for Garden Plus with Skeletor. Musical assistance for the series has been provided by Kate Warner, Katie Taylor, and Sarah Century. Any additional music attribution will be in the show notes. Thanks to S.E. Fleenor as publisher and editorial director at Queer Spec, Monica Estrella Negra as decoded editor, Priya Saxena for copy editing and marketing support, and Maria Violante for web support. Episode art is by Sarah Century. Please visit queerspec.com or decodedpride.com for more details on the episode and the people who bring you this podcast, as well as merch and links to other Queer Spec projects. To show further support for the podcast, follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash queerspec. All Decoded Horror Stories belong to their respective writers. This podcast, all voice recordings, transcripts, and any portion thereof may not be reproduced or used in any manner without the express written permission of the publisher, except for the brief use of quotations and reviews. Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah. I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? <laughs> Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.